system. So working out the little kinks. Okay, so that finger was a go. Okay, so if we can put up our uh, the slide here, we're working on <coughs> our mess. Miracle Grow, how to develop good soil. And if you go to the next slide, uh, I want you to join me and let's pray this prayer together. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today. In Yeshua's name, amen. So last week, Rabbi Michael started our new series which, as I just said, is entitled Miracle Grow, How to Develop Good Soil. And in this series, we are exploring tools that Adonai has given to us to grow our relationship with him and to flourish our our lives. So last week, Rabbi Michael spoke on the importance of meditation. And today we are looking at the importance of the Word of God. I know that these are basic concepts on the one hand, And my husband and I uh, understand that uh, you might have the tendency to check out on this message or this message series, but I'm going to tell you don't, because I'm a good rabbi, (laughs) and I know what's good for you. Because I know firsthand that many believers, even here in our own congregation, do not regularly read the Bible or apply themselves in the disciplines that we're going to be talking about. I've seen it this year with the teens and the junior Shabbat, uh, the children, because I have spoken to them about and encouraged them and uh, was surprised how few read their Bibles on a regular basis. So the teens are getting a text from me almost every day (laughs) telling them this is the chapter. We made a commitment to read the same chapter every day. So this month we've been reading in Psalms in the month of uh, January. That was first, right? (laughs) January, we read through Yochanan. And so, uh, and our children downstairs, we uh, gave them a little devotional notebook last week and encouraged parents to help them start reading a chapter a day to make this a part of their their discipline. But no, it's not just children who don't read their Bibles. Um, Crossway, which is a believing publisher, did this survey in January of 2018, so it's just a little over a year old. And they found the following reasons that people gave for why they didn't read the Bible regularly. The first one is they didn't have enough time. The second was they lacked motivation and discipline. The third, they felt intimidated. And the fourth was they were struggling to apply the Bible into their everyday life. So we're going to address all of these issues in the message today uh, because I know that people have difficulty reading the Bible. You can read a devotional book and you're fine about that or read books about the Bible, but people have said that they found it actually challenging to sit down and faithfully read the scriptures for themselves. So if you know us well, you know we we do encourage and we even recommend different books for people to read, Uh, books that we read, that we have encouraged us in our faith. But if I only have enough time to read one book, it will always be the Bible. So when I encourage you to pick up something to read, it's not at the expense of reading the Bible. Um, Why is that? 
because the word of God is powerful, it is alive, and it is meant to accomplish God's will in your life. And it will cause your life to flourish. Again, I'm not opposed to, to books. I am making a list for, for myself this year. I have to admit, my life has been a little busy. I've not got to some of those books at all yet, but they're on my list. Uh, but I know this book is the book that will bring change, lasting change to my life and to your life. Look with me at what Adonai tells us about the word in the book of Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. See, the word of God is alive. Can you say that with me? It is alive. Let's say it again. It is alive. This word is alive. It is at work, effective and powerful, and is sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts right through to where soul meets spirit and joints meet uh, marrow, and it is quick to judge the inner reflections and attitudes of the heart. I want to tell you right now, the Bible, this book, is not a dead book, okay? It is not a dead book with boring historical facts, endless genealogies, and ambiguous meanings. And if that's what you think about this Bible, then you don't know it, okay? You have not got into it. It's not dead. It's not meaningless. There's truth in this book that will forever change your life. This book enlightens our eyes, refreshes our spirits, exposes the lies of hell, convicts men of sin, and encourages our faith. It is one of the greatest means that God has of communicating to his people. So these tools that we're talking about in this series, again, I know they might be basic, but they are the key to a good soil and a flourishing life. I want to tell you right now, when these are ignored, you're going to struggle. We said this before. Again, this is not new topics that we're talking about. But when people come to us and their life is chaotic and out of sorts, and, you know, they are struggling with everything, one of the first things we ask is, how is your devotional time? Are you reading? Are you praying? Are you doing these principles? And I'm going to tell you, I've said it before, probably 99%, okay, I'll go down to 95% of the time, the answer is no. Selah. This word will change your life. Don't ignore it because you want to read the latest bestseller by some believing author. Read that book. Go for it. But don't ignore this book. So look at several ways that this Bible will work in our lives if we take it to heart and make it a part of our life. The first thing is that it nourishes us. The book of Messianic Jews, again, chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, describe the teachings of the Word of God as both milk and solid food that provide spiritual nutrients that we need in order for us to grow. Read along with me. For although by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You need someone to teach you the very first principles of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who has to drink milk is still a baby without experience in implying the word about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by continuous exercise to distinguish good from evil. So what is the writer telling us here? That this group of believers that he was writing to, many of them had been believers for many, many years. But they were like babies because they didn't devour the word of God. They didn't read the word of God. They didn't study. It was not a part of their life. So they should be at the point where they are now teaching and training other people, but they're not able to do that. But they're still needing the milk and can't eat solid food. We all know the imagery, right? So we have two little babies here. uh, And their names just went out of my head. (laughs) You know the two little babies. (laughs) We are not expecting them to be drinking uh, milk forever, correct? They're already starting to, to eat solid foods. That's the natural progression. It's the same spiritually. We need to be eating the solid food of the word in order to grow. The nutrients that we need to grow and flourish are found in this Bible. Kepha Olive says the same thing. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 22. Like newborn babies, thirst for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into deliverance. And look what Yeshua said in Matthew Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. The Tanakh says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. You need to be in this word every day. How many people eat one time a week? Right? Nobody does. We eat every day. And in this country, we eat three meals plus three snacks. And in between, we like the Hobbit, you know, first breakfast, second bre- breakfast, 11 C's, lunch, second lunch, you know. We like their uh, style of eating, my household. But we eat every day. Why? Because our physical bodies need the nutrients from eating food every day. So it is spiritually. If you only get the word when you come to a service on Shabbat, you're spiritually sick. You're lacking the nutrients that you need to be spiritually strong. You need to daily feed on the word of God. And listen to me. All the word of God. Can you say that with me? All the word of God. In other words, not your favorite passage. It's not the same to read, you know, the same psalm day after day after day. I mean, I get it. God may have you meditating on some passage for a season. That's fine. I've done that. But, you know, a year later, you're still on that same chapter. Friends, something is a little wrong. All right? So we need all the word. Just like you need to eat your vegetables, right, moms? You have to eat those part of the words that are not necessarily the best in terms of how you devour it, but they're going to be good for you. You can't eat just cake and ice cream and expect that you're going to have all the nutrients that you need physically. The same with the word of God. You can't just read one chapter 
and think that you are going to be strong spiritually and receive everything that you need. So it will nourish us, but we need to be in it. The second thing that the Bible does is it cleanses us. It renews our mind and cleanses our heart. Read with me, uh, along with me, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 7. Husbands, love your wives just as Messiah loved the Kehilah and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. Say that with me. By the word. To present her to himself as a radiant Kehilah without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You see, the word shows us the areas in our lives that are, out of, that are out of alignment with God's character and God's nature and his purpose. And when we apply it into our lives, it enables us to live a holy life. The psalmist says in Tehillim 119 verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Friends, this word is the standard that we live by. Although the psalmist is directing his comments to young people because young people have great pressure on them, peer pressure that is unbelievable to not uh, follow this word but to conform to the ways of society. But it's, this truth applies to old folks listening here today. <laughs> so if you're an older person, this applies to you. The only way that you are going to keep your way pure is by guarding your heart according to what is written in the word. See, purity is seen when we apply the word of God in our lives. It's simple to say, but not easy to do. Now, holiness is not a thing of the past. I want to tell you this, okay? And I get it, holiness is not a list of do's and don'ts, you know, which is often how past generations would present holiness. You have to do, you can only do this, and you cannot do that. And if you follow this rule, list of rules and don't do this list of rules, then you're holy. That's not God's approach to holiness, okay? However, holiness means that my lifestyle, my words, my actions, my thoughts will be different than those who don't know God. Can I say it again? Holiness means that my lifestyle, my words, my actions, my thoughts will be different than the people who don't know God. Okay, I got a second amen. That should be a big amen. Okay? There are too many things, and I said this a few weeks ago, and it was brought up in prayer from a post that I wrote, you know, on Facebook. There's too much of a culture of compromise that has creeped into the body of Messiah, and it's because this book has been ignored and has been marginalized in our lives. And friends, God wants that to change for you, for me, for this congregation, for the body of Messiah worldwide. The Word of God is a thing that will bring lasting change and affect our life in a positive way. The next thing is that the Bible guides us. David says in Tehillim 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet 
and a light to my path. Now, in the world that we live in today, I've seen many believers become confused about biblical truths that would never have been questioned 10, 20, 30 years ago. And I was reading an article this week, and I was sharing it with my husband, uh, that I find very, very disturbing about how religious leaders are questioning the authority of the Torah, in particular, it's our article written about the Torah, to govern our moral decisions. So, InterVarsity Press, which is an evangelical believing, uh, you know, publishing uh, house, is publishing this book. It's supposed to come out next week. And in this book, uh, these authors who are believing scholars from a reputable college, Wheaton College is one, and it's a father and son. His son actually is from Harvard. But they begin to question the principles of God's word and undermining them when it comes to issues like homosexuality and other morality issues in our world today. And this is what they say, and it's going to be up here on the screen. And I have to tell you, as a leader, I find this very, very disturbing. I would not recommend you read this book. Uh, but this is not the first time I've heard it. I've heard it from other pulpits when I've listened you know, to things online and things, and it's not uh, encouraging to hear these things. They said, we cannot gain moral knowledge or build a system of ethics based on reading the Torah in context and deriving principles from it. They say the ancient Israelites would not have understood the Torah as providing divine moral instruction. The Torah cannot provide proof texts for solving issues today. Unbelievable is a word from your rabbi's mouth. Unbelievable. Because this Torah, this entire Bible, is indeed meant to give us, uh, to guide us morally and ethically. Without it, we are left to choose and pick what we feel is right according to our own understanding or our personal likes and whims. I've had young people who grew up in this congregation who question the basic uh, moral truths the Bible uh, presents to us because society around us lives contrary to those principles. Rabbi Carroll, everyone else is doing it. They will say, these are good people, Rabbi Carroll. They go to a congregation that says it's okay to do these things. Friends, I love you. Let me tell you this. There will be a day of giving account for every action, every word, and every attitude. And the standard that will be used to judge each one of us, not my standard, not Rabbi Michael's standard, not Chris's standard, not Ray Lynn's standard. The standard is this book. This book the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. Choosing to ignore these principles as morally binding and applicable has led this nation to killing millions of unborn babies and to the point where a couple of weeks ago we had a governor from Virginia get on the, the radio and say it is okay 
that a baby to be born and for the doctor and the mother to decide whether they will then terminate the baby's life, i.e. murder the baby. How did we get to this point? Because as a nation and as a society, we have removed the moral truths of this book from our society. We have no more moral compass as a nation to guide us. I must allow the Bible to show me the way to go, even if no one else goes that way. People can call me radical. They can call me fanatical. You may be listening to this on the podcast and saying, well, I ain't going to ever listen to her again. That's okay with me. You can accuse me of being narrow-minded and unbending. And I don't care because I will make a choice to allow the word of God to direct my steps and my decisions, not a political party or an unrighteous society, not pressures that I must politically uh, uh, be politically correct or be understanding of people's personal likes or preferences. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because when I stand before God as a person and more so as a leader, having more accountability to God, I will be held accountable for what I taught about the, and from this word and what I lived in my life personally, but as a spiritual leader, how I instructed you and my husband as well. So you can get mad at us as your spiritual leaders, which has happened in the past. Never, my husband says. And I'm sure it's going to happen in the future, and it may even happen today. And that's okay. I love you. You'll never be able to stand before God and say of Rabbi Carol and Rabbi Michael, they compromise the word of God. Because as much as is within us, we will preach and teach and counsel what this word says. There is a moral standard, friends. And it's what is in, in this word. Homosexuality is not acceptable by God. Yes, God loves those people. He loves everyone. I don't care what your sin is. And that's the issue that this article is addressing in particular. That's why I mentioned it. But you can name any other sin. Any sexual immorality is sin in God's eyes. That's his standard, not mine. Lying, cheating, stealing. They're all there. It's a standard that we're all going to be held accountable to. You may fool me. You sing a song. I may fool my friends some of the time, but God, I don't fool you. That's why you need to be in this word. And you need to live by this word. This word is a standard for your life. And when we ignore it, we have what we have in society today. And God is looking for a people. Hello? He's looking for a people who will say, God, I am with you. I will take a stand on the side of righteousness every time 
I don't care what it costs me. I don't care if people ridicule me, mock me, if they ostracize me. I don't care if my family gets mad at me. You know how many times my family has been mad at me? If they're listening to this. Hmm. You know how many times I've had the phone hung up on me? Or I've been ignored by family members because I speak the truth in love? This Bible shows us the way to go. This Bible shows us it's a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. It tells us the right things to do and the wrong things to avoid. If you do what it says and avoid what it says to avoid, then you are living by it. That's what God calls us to do. Fourth thing about this Bible, this word it gives us hope. Its strength gives us strength to overcome the trials, tests, and difficult circumstances that come our way. Yeshua tells us, uh, tells us thus, this, excuse me, through Rav Shaul, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You see, when I read the scripture, hope arises in my heart. Like I'm reading through uh, Psalms with the, uh, the kids this month, the teen- teens. And, man, David had a lot of problems. And almost every psalm, he's crying out, Oh, God, can you please help me again? Man, I can relate to that, right? You read about over and over again, it seemed like somebody else was bothering him and someone else was attacking him. And he had the trouble here on the right and on the left, and he kept crying out to God, and God always came through to him, for him. See, that's encouraging. That gives me hope for whatever situation I'm facing, that if God delivered David, then he's going to deliver me. That if God delivered Hadassah, he's going to deliver me. So it gives hope. It gives hope because I see the stories of men and women who put their trust in God and followed his word, and he was their deliverer, and he fulfilled his promise in their lives. It gives hope when I read the word and I see the promises that he has made, that those promises are yes and amen and Messiah Yeshua. So that hope arises in my heart. Last fall, we did an entire series on this topic, and you should be able to find it on the podcast, Hope in a Hopeless World, where the scriptures are a source of that hope. So they give us hope. Number five is the Bible makes us fruitful. God promises us to succeed, and, and he promises spiritual fruitfulness to those who meditate on the word of God. Look with me at Yehoshua Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. We are encouraged, keep this book of the Torah on your lips and meditate on it. Can you say that with me? Meditate on it day and night so that you will take care to act according to everything written in it. Then your understandings will prosper and you will succeed. Tehillim, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Ashrei ha'isha sher lo halach. Blessed is the man who does not, uh, who, who rejects the advice of the wicked, doesn't stand in the way of the sinners, or sit where scoffers sit. Their delight is in Adonai's Torah, and on his Torah they meditate. Say that with me. They meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams. They bear their fruit in season. Their leaves neither wither uh, or faint, and everything they do succeeds. God is telling us that success in life 
comes through the Word of God. What does that mean, success in life? That means in your home, you want a peaceful home, you want a, a, a flourishing life in your home, in your marriage, at work, in your neighborhood, in our society at large. How is success going to come? It's not a magical formula, friends. Success comes by walking in the truth of God's word, meditating on it. We know from Dibberim, when they're standing on the two mountains, right? The mountain of blessing and the mountain, uh, mount of cursing. We are told if you follow this, this Torah, you will receive blessing. And all the blessings were listed out. It says if you do not follow it, you will be cursed. And all the curses are listed. Friends, if your life is not fruitful, if you are not successful, if things are not flourishing personally in your home and things, I will go back and examine, is this word the center of my life? Is this word the center of life? Because when I make this word the center of my life, he tells me I will flourish and be successful. And the last thing that this word will do for us is it will lead us into victory and enable us to defeat the enemy. One author wrote this on this topic. He said, Yeshua said of the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet he has been decisively defeated through the death and resurrection of Yeshua. The Bible teaches that Messiah took on himself human nature so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Amen? So think about it. When the devil tempted Yeshua in the wilderness, how did he defeat him? He said, it is written through the word of God. The devil distorted the biblical principles, but Yeshua responded, it is written. He knew the word, and he was able to recognize the lies and the distortions of hell. Sometimes they have people come to me, and they will say things, oh, the Bible says this, and I'm like, "Mm, not exactly, right? How do I know it's not exactly? Because For many, many years, since I was six years old, I have been in this word, so I know this word, okay? And so that's the only way. So when the enemy comes and he tries to, you know, twist the word a little bit in my mind, I know where to go to make sure that word is true or not. Hello? When the Pharisees and Sadducees confronted Yeshua trying to trap him, He exposed their motives by declaring the word of God to them. Ephesians 6 tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And we are called to stand firmly in the fight against our enemy. We are told, if you read through that whole passage, which we're not going to take the time to do now, that we should not shrink back in fear, but it says stand firm and gird yourself with everything that God has given you to fight the enemy. He's equipped us with powerful, powerful weapons. And his word is that offensive weapon that he has given to us to defeat the lies that have been pounding against you over and over again. So God wants to encourage us to take this word out and to use it to defeat the enemy. You've been given the authoritative word of God that will dispel the darkness of hell pounding down on your life, but you have to engage the enemy with the weapon that God has given you. You cannot say, thus says Rabbi Carol, because 
it's not going to work. You have to say, thus saith the Lord, because you know the Lord has said it, and you can speak the truth of it because you know the word. I don't mind that you listen to me, and I don't mind praying for you. I will pray for you later, but I want to tell you, I'm not going to be with you tomorrow morning or Monday morning or Tuesday morning. And yes, you can call, and you can send a prayer request, and we'll send it out. But so much more better it would be. Okay, that was a double superlative. Sorry about my English there. It would be much better. It's for those English people. Much better for you to know how to use the sword that God has given you. And for you to take that sword and to fight the lies of hell, trying to uh, defeat you and make you walk around uh, in despair and discouragement and woe is me, my life sucks, and oh, I don't know what in the heck I'm going to do because this is so terrible. Take the sword of the Spirit that God has given you and use it against the enemy to see victory in your life. Amen? The battle is not won because of my merits or yours. You get it? It's not because you're so good, not because I'm so good. It's not our merits. It comes because greater is he who is in me and you than he who is in the world. And that greater one has given us this powerful weapon to use. So start speaking the word of God over your life. Speak it in the face of your enemy. Combat the lies with the truth of the word. So when the devil says you will never amount to anything, declare to him, the Bible says, I am the head and not the tail. The word declares that Adonai has good plans for my life and I will make it. Amen. When the devil says you will never get your healing, declare the Bible says, by his stripes, I have been healed. When the devil says your finances will only get worse, declare the Bible says Adonai will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glories. When the devil says you shouldn't tithe because you need that money more than God does, declare the word says that when I tithe, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out abundance in my life. When the enemy says your loved ones will never come to faith, declare the Bible says, as for me and my household, we will be saved. When the enemy attacks you with fear and anxiety over life itself, declare the scripture says that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. When the enemy says you will never be free, declare the scripture say that the son of God has set me free. When the devil says you can't, declare I can, I can, I can, I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. Friends, that is how you use the word of God to combat the enemy who is trying to defeat you and to get you to give up on life. The word, the word leads you into victory. This word. Utilize this weapon that God has given you. Declare no weapon formed against me will prosper. You want to make that declaration with me right now? No weapon formed against me will prosper. Trust me, the enemy has a lot of schemes up his sleeve. Is that the right way to say that? Did I get it right? Up his sleeve? (laughs) I always mess those up. 
Unfortunately, my two kids are following in my footsteps, we are afraid. The isms they mix up. I'm going to assure you the enemy is going to come after you this week. He's probably already doing it right now in this message, to, to be honest, okay? Because I know there's more that's happening in this room than what I see with my natural eye. So the enemy's already trying to distort the message and, you know, making you feel guilty. And, you know, and Rabbi Carol's off on those little kicks again. And, uh, you know, and he's going to get you later and tomorrow. I'm going to tell you, he doesn't want you to listen to this word. But most importantly, he doesn't want you to apply this word. And application is the most important part. So I'm going to tell you as I close how to use this tool. Because none of these things will happen if we just keep this Bible on the nightstand by our bed or on the coffee table in our living room. The Bible will never be alive or active in our lives if that's the case. So how are you going to use this tool? Five things quickly. Number one, read the word every day. Like I said to the kids, start with one chapter. Okay, I have a whole chart, which I can send you later, but, but someone put together about how to read you know, so many books uh, of the Bible, how to read the entire Bible, because a lot of people say I have no time. Six minutes a day. Anyone have six minutes a day? Six minutes a day, you could read through the entire Bible in two years. There's not any person who can't give six minutes a day. Just saying. So we take care of that excuse. You have to read it. Get someone to be accountable to. Okay, to read. Again, I'm making the youth accountable to me. They're probably so tired of my text messages. Especially this week they were off, so I really bombarded them with questions. Secondly, meditate on what you read. Apply Rabbi Michael's message from last week. Meditate on this word. Word. Joshua once says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So read it, meditate on it, memorize it. Memorization is the thing that we stressed with the kids, but I'm going to tell you, grown-ups need to memorize the Word of God. Nathan came in this morning and told me that he forgot the markers that I let him take home, and he forgot his notebook. But I know my memory verse, Rabbi Carol. I said, well, you get a punch in your ticket downstairs today then. And I heard him sharing it with uh, Miss Lucia. One of our teachers from downstairs, he's so excited, he knew his memory verse. You need to memorize the word, okay? Because then you have it right there available to you. You know, when the enemy's attacking, you don't always have time to go flipping through the Bible and say, where is that? What does it say about this? Let me find where it says. But when you have hidden the word in your heart, your word have I hidden in my heart, the psalmist says, that means he's memorized it. So memorize the scripture as well. Number four is study the word. <clears throat> a good place to start is get involved in our trekking through the Torah class on Wednesday nights. <clears throat> We're taking it Aliyah by Aliyah. 
we spend an hour sometimes on just five verses. You guys, you can't get more into studying than like that. That's a good place to, to start. Study with a friend, with your spouse. And finally, number five, apply the word to your life. Yaakov, James chapter 1, 22 through 24 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Can you say that with me? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For you, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Friends, if all you do to this message or any message that my husband and I preach is hear it on a Saturday and forget it by Saturday night, it's no good. Or you pick up and you read a chapter and then you go about the rest of your day and you do nothing about what you read. It's no good. You have to do what the Word says. That's how we're going to apply this principle. How do you grow good soil? How does your life flourish? Through the Word of God. You have to do all those things I talked about and so much more. Read it, meditate, memorize, study, apply it. Let's stand to our feet. I'd like our ministry team to get ready. We will have ministry at the end for those who would like prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence here today in worship and through the word uh, proclaimed. As we prayed at the beginning of the message, we do pray that our ears have really, really heard that our hearts have taken, to, uh, taken seriously what you have spoken and that as we leave from this place, we would be those who apply these truths in our lives, God. Basic, basic principles, God, but principles that will change our lives drastically. So wherever we are at in, in the scheme of things with this principle of your word, I pray that we would purpose to grow in this area, in this year ahead. If we don't read the Bible every day, that we'd start reading at least one chapter a day. We try to memorize one verse a month so that at the end of the year we have 12 verses memorized. That we'd make an effort to come out to the Torah study. God, whatever, doing something in every area. And most importantly, that we would do what your word says. Help each one of us to do what your word says. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to bless you with the ironic benediction. I encourage you, we have prayer from 2 to 3 this afternoon, Hebrew class from 3 to 4. Uh, it has been encouraging to see people out on Thursday nights. Our Thursday night prayer meeting has increased uh, since our series on prayer and prayer and fasting. Uh, uh, so try to make one or both of those times of prayer. That's a great 
opportunity to apply that principle into our lives. But let me close with the ironic benediction. And then if you would like prayer, Adeline, Rena, and myself will be here uh, to minister to you, to pray a prayer of agreement. And if uh, uh, you don't, then you're free to leave and hopefully join us at pray- for prayer at 2 o'clock. Adonai, bless you and keep you. Adonai, make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. Adonai, turn his face towards you and grant you shalom. May you walk in the peace of Adonai uh, and in his joy. In Yeshua's name, amen. God bless you. Prospering, oh Lord, I live.